We are on Yavam Aslam and Ches Amvez 38b1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Sorry, 38b2 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, we left off with uh, a second explanation of the Mishnah. So again, the Mishnah essentially had two cases. Both cases involved Nechsei Malug, property that uh, the wife, in a regular marriage, the wife would own completely the actual property. Uh, however, the husband is allowed to use the property. The husband is allowed to use and benefit from the property, but the husband is not allowed to sell the property. He has no right to sell the property. And so our case in the Mishnah is dealing with a where there was a marriage, um, and then the husband passed away. And according to the second answer that we explained in the last recording, uh, the first case is where she's alive. She's alive and she actually gets Yerusha. She inherits property from her father, let's say. And that's viewed as Nechzei Melug. In a regular marriage, that would be viewed as Nechzei Melug, where she owns it completely and the husband has rights to use the property. Uh, so the question is, uh, the law is, that in such a case where it's a Shomeris Yavam, so they're not actually married yet, but she's waiting to do Yibam, so it's completely hers. Uh, she is completely hers. The, the, the Yavam, the brother-in-law, has no right to use the property, she could sell the property, uh, it's completely hers. That's case number one. Case number two is it's the same exact case, but she passes away. She passes away before she inherits it. And then now there's this uh, this fight between the Yavam, the brother-in-law, and her family as to who should really who should really uh, get this property. And so Beisham is of the opinion that they split it. So why do they split it? So the Gemara in the second explanation in the second explanation says, well, in the first case, uh, the difference between the two cases is that in the first case, she for sure owns some part in the property. Either if, even if you were to view them as completely married before they do yibam, but still she owns the uh, the actual property itself. The the shomeris the yavam the brother-in-law would have the rights to use it. So he would have he would have the rights to use it. Uh, even if they were, even if they would be viewed as though they were actually married, it's a question. It's a question: what type of relationship this is. So it might not be viewed as an actual marriage. So she definitely has uh, ownership of the actual property. The yavam, the brother-in-law, is a suffix. It's questionable as to what what the relationship is and to what extent he has a connection to the property. So there's a concept of ain suffix Since we know that she has, she for sure. Uh, has some connection. The Yavam, the brother-in-law, might have a connection, so therefore we give all of it to her. That's in the first case. However, in the second case, once she passes away, so then it's really a question. It's an open question. And so Beishama is of the opinion that since it's an open question, well, if they are viewed as married, so then the Yavam should get everything. If they're not viewed as married, so then her family, the rest of her family, should receive this property. So it's an open question. And so therefore we say we divide it. That's the opinion of Beishama. And that's what the Gemara said until now. Abaye is now going to ask, in the first case, we said according to Beishamai, ain't suffik motzimidevadai. Beishamai is of the opinion that when there's a situation where one person makes a claim and we know that they have, they for sure get at least a portion of the, of the property. There's somebody else who we don't know at all whether or not they're connect, they, they deserve it. It's a suffik. Uh, so then we said within Beishamai, ain't suffik motzimidevadai. There's a principle called somebody who's questionable whether or not they have a connection to it, whether they own it. They cannot uh, remove it. They do not have a, a, a legitimate claim to, to somebody who we know for sure does have, have a claim, a real claim to the, to the property. 
And so Abai is going to question that. So Abai says as follows. Ezebi Abai. Abai says, is this really true? Is it really true that Beishama is of the opinion that that somebody who's a suffix questionable whether they have a connection cannot remove it from somebody that we know for sure has a connection. But we have the following mission of Atanan, a very interesting case. Unfortunate case where Let's say a, a person and his father or a person or some other relative, the next person who, should, who would inherit it, um, they both pass away at the same time. Uh, let's say a house falls on them. So it's a tragic situation where a house falls on them or some sort of tragedy where they both die in the same situation. And we, therefore, in the cases where we don't know who died first, we know that they both died, but we don't know who died first. In the cases as follows, the cases where the person, let's just call him Ruven for now, so Ruvain, he doesn't own any assets. He has no assets whatsoever. However, uh, let's say it's his his wife. If he passes away, so then his wife is deserving of the ksuba, uh, of payment, uh, of, based on the contract of the ksuba that he has to pay her after his death. Uh, or let's say he just owes somebody money. For whatever reason, he owes somebody else money, but he has no assets whatsoever. He has no assets. He cannot pay them. So now this makes a big difference who passed away first? Because if the father passed away first, so then he's, at that moment, he's a Yoresh, he inherits his father's uh, property. So now he has assets. So now that he has assets, he could pay the Ksuba, and he could pay, and he could pay, uh, he could pay those, to the people that he owes money to. Um, so he could pay, the, he could pay those people. Uh, since, uh, since he gets, he's Yoresh, he inherits from the estate of his father at the moment of his father's death. Happens to be, he dies two minutes later, but that doesn't make a difference. Since at the time, at a, there was a certain point in time where he uh, owned those assets, so now it should go to, it should now go to his uh, his wife or to the other people that he owes money to. However, if he passes away first, so then he passes away first, at the point in time that he passes away, he has no assets whatsoever, so there's nothing you can do about it. And then when the father passes away, so now those assets, the estate to the father has no connection to uh, to his daughter-in-law or to the other people that his son owes money to, and they wouldn't have to pay. They wouldn't have to pay the money, and so it really makes a difference uh, who dies first. So Yorshia Av Omrim Haben Meisrishon Vachem Misav. The father's heirs claim that the son died first, and then the father died. So the son never uh, never had any connection to the to the estate to the father. The Vachob Omer, the one who the creditor claims, no Haav Meisrishon Vachem Misav and Ben. The father died first, and then the son received uh, uh, some of the assets, and it really should go to me because I'm the I'm the creditor of the son. So Bishama says that they divided evenly; they would have, they each have a, have a claim, so they divide evenly. Bishama says no, the property remains with those who possess them, possess them, i.e., with uh, with the father's family. They stay with the father's family because that's the chazaka. The chazaka is. Who currently owns them? The the who currently has access and connection to it? It's the father's family, so it stays by the father's family. But the point is that we're really trying to analyze Beishamai's opinion, and within Beishamai's opinion, he says that we divide it. Over here, Beishamai says to split it. But why should that be? We know with certainty there's a vaday. We know with certainty that the father's family has receives the estate. They receive the estate. They're the father's family after the father's death. Happens to be. Now there's a question. Does the Balchov, does the creditor, do they do they have some sort of uh, claim, real claim to 
some of the assets of the father, because maybe the father died first and then it went to the son. Uh, so maybe they have some claim. That's a suffix. That's a question of a suffix. But we know with certainty that the father's family, that they, that they at least get something. Maybe they probably, they might even get everything. Uh, but they at least get something. So that's a case of a vadai. The creditor is a suffix. It's a questionable whether or not uh, they deserve anything. It would only be, they would only deserve something if the father died first. And then some of the assets automatically uh, go to the, go to the son. Um, and so therefore it's a case of something so we see from here Risham is of the opinion that we divide it so it seems, it seems to be that he does not follow the principle of ain't something that somebody who is questionable whether or not he has a connection to the assets he cannot take from somebody who we know for sure has a connection to the assets i.e. the father's family uh, so we see Bishamai does not hold of this principle because Bishamai says here that we divide it evenly so the more answer is no. There's no proof from this case. This case is very different than our Mishnah's case. Why is our, this case very different than our Mishnah's case? Because there's a principle. Beishamai holds of the following principle, a very important principle, that when somebody has a shtar, when there's a debt with a document that awaits collection, so it's viewed as though it's already collected. The creditor has a shtar. He has a document to prove that he's owed the money. So when a person has such proof based on a shtar, based on a document... It's viewed as though he's really the first one that should be collecting. And Beishamah's understanding is that this creditor has just as equal of a connection to the assets of the father. Why? Because if the father did actually die first, so then the creditor gets the assets. He receives the assets before before the rest of his family, before the rest of the family of the father. Because it's as if the, somebody who has a star, somebody who has a, a document to claim that he's owed money, so then it's as if he's the first one online. He really is the first one line. After he takes, so then you can divide up the rest of the assets. So if the father died first, so then he's really deserving. The creditor really is deserving of uh, to, to take some of the assets. If the son died first, so then he, the son died first, the son doesn't have any assets, so now uh, the creditor has no connection to the father. So it's really a, it's a bona fide suffix. It's a real question. But it's not like one's, one has certain, that one has a, a, a vadai claim is, is, is certain that they will receive of the entire land, and the other one, the creditor, is a suffix. No, because if the father were to die first, so then the creditor really is the first one online to receive the assets of the father. So this is a very different case than our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was a case where uh, where there was no star, there was no document. It's not involving a document. And there, it's a real case of an uncertain versus a, a certain claim. Uh, but this case is not a, an uncertain versus a certain claim because once a person has a star, once a person has a document, so they are viewed as a vada. They are viewed as a certain. And then since we don't know who died first, it's really a, it's a bona fide suffix and they would have to divide it. The Gemara now asks, well, how do we know of such a concept? In Manatemra, how do we know of such a concept that Bishamah really holds that star that if a person has a star as a document, so then they could... Uh, that it's like it's already collected. How do we know of such an idea? That's not from the following Mishnah. We can learn from the following Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? So the Mishnah is discussing something totally different. It's discussing a case of a sota. A sota is a woman who is uh, was warned by her husband because it seemed like uh, she was with some other man, um, and the husband uh, said claimed that uh, that she was she or he seemed as though he was suspicious that she was committing adultery, and uh, he warned her never not to not to be alone with that person. Then there's a situation. Sometimes, depending on the situation, she would have to drink. She would have to go to the base of Mikdash to drink the sota, the bitter waters, uh, to prove whether or not uh, she actually committed adultery. And uh, it's a whole separate discussion when she would have to go, when she wouldn't have to go. 
but sometimes she would have to go. But the Mishnah discusses as follows. Let's say Mesu Let's say her husband passes away after the accusations, and there's a certain circumstance which arises where uh, we, we are even more suspicious, and then she would have to drink it. Uh, but let's say her husband passes away before she drinks it. So if her husband passes away before she drinks it, the rule is she does not drink it. The Pasuk says, the verse says that the husband brings her to, to the base of Migdash to drink this uh, water. If the husband's not alive, she doesn't drink from it. But the question is, now what? Now her husband passed away. There's no need to drink the water. We say that if she commits adultery, she does not get receive her ksuba. She, doesn't, she should not get her ksuba. She should not get uh, the amount that her husband promised that if he were to die, so then it goes to her after the marriage, after his death. She's not deserving of it if she committed adultery. If she did not, so then she should get her ksuba. What happens in this case? We don't know. It's a case of a suffolk. We don't know whether or not she committed adultery. There's reason to suspect that she did commit adultery. Uh, so what happens in that case? Bishamah says, no says, she could collect her ksuba. Bishamah says, no. Either she drinks uh, from the from the bitter water, or she does not collect her ksuba. Now, just parenthetically, the Gemara points out, Oshosos, could Basil even say that she actually drinks from it? The Pasuk, the verse says that the husband has to bring her to there. The husband's not alive. Rather, what did Basil mean? Basil is of the opinion that she does not collect her ksuba. That because she doesn't drink from it, so there's no way for us to clarify the situation. Uh, so therefore, because it's a suffix, it's, it's a question whether or not she committed adultery, she does not collect her ksuba. Now, that's the opinion of Basil. But... Our, for, for our purpose, we're really focusing on Beishamai. Beishamai says she does collect her ksuba. She does collect her ksuba. Why? This is a case of a suffix. Uh, we're not sure whether or not she committed adultery. So it seems to be that she is collecting the ksuba even though she's a suffix. She has a, it's uncertain whether or not she should collect uh, her, her ksuba. Uh, and maybe she shouldn't collect her ksuba. And, and the assets are not going to her. So the Gemara says, no. This proves to us this concept. Even Beishamai. We see that Beishamai holds of this concept, holds of this concept of Shtar She has a star. She has the Ksuba. The Ksuba is her star. Is her document. So she has a star. She has a document which says that she's a, she has rights uh, to uh, to these assets. And because she has the document, she has proof to it. So therefore, it's not really viewed as a suffix. She really is, it is a suffix. It's questionable whether she committed adultery, but it's like she already collected. It's like she's muhsuk. It's like she's the one that really, uh, it's in her property already. When it's, when you have a star, it's as if it's in her property already, so you can't take it away from her property. So we have to give it to her. It's like it's already collected. And so even though it's a suffix, it's a questionable whether or not she should collect, but it's viewed as though she already collected. We have to give it to her, uh, and, uh, leave it, leave it by her, because the chazak is, the status quo is that it's as if it's, it's, it's as if it's hers. Uh, that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara has a few more lines. Uh, the Gemara now asks a totally different question. Abaye wanted to bring a proof that from Beishamai that Beishamai really does not hold from the case of the house, the house that fell on the father and the child. So the Gemara now asks, why did Abaye have to bring a proof from that case? But Abaye lost meha. Why he could have challenged he could have challenged this idea of Beishamai of that a suffix and uncertain cannot take from a certain claim a claim of certainty. Uh, that we, we, we should prove from the second part of our Mishnah, even our Mishnah itself. What did our Mishnah say? It seems to be that our Mishnah said that... At this point, it's really asking not from our Mishnah, we'll see the next questions from our Mishnah, but from the case of Sota, the case of the Sota case, 
we see from there that uh, the ksuba uh, could collect, even though it's suffix, removing it from the vaday, from the vaday, from the, from the husband's assets. So the grand says, no, Dilma Ksuba is Isha Shani Mishimachina. Now, maybe when it comes to Ksuba, it could be that Ksuba is different than other Shtaras, than other documents. Because when it comes to the Ksuba, the Ksuba is there to show Chain, to show uh, that, uh, to show love and favor to the marriage, to show that you're going to give, make sure that your wife for sure has what she needs, no matter what, even after the husband passes away. And that's the value of the Ksuba, to say that even if the husband passes away, that he's, he's committed to taking care of his wife. Um, and so because of that, because it might be slightly different than a regular star, and so you can't bring a proof from the ksuba case because it could be saying that even if the wife is a suffix, it could be just inherent within the ksuba, that even if the wife is a suffix, it's unclear whether or not she deserves uh, the ksuba, but we'll still give it to her because the whole point of the ksuba is, is to find uh, love and favor in her eyes in this marriage for the husband to show that no matter what, I'm still going to provide for you even after the marriage, even after he passes away. So that's the answer to that question. The Gemara now asks, This is what I was referring to. We can bring a proof from our Mishnah itself that Bishamay really does not hold the vein something Why? Why? Did, what does it say in our Mishnah? The Mishnah says later on that with regards to the Ksuba, Bishamay says that if she were if she were to pass away, so then at least at, at this stage of the Gemara, the Gemara says that with regards to the Ksuba, the amount that she should really get from her first husband, that is divided between her family and her brother-in-law and the Yavam. Uh, even though it really should go, in this case, the certain one is the is the husband, the first husband, because he has the assets. It should really go to his brother, to the yavam, the yavam who uh, will collect, who will who will replace uh, and collect from from his assets. Um, and so it should really go to him. He's the certain one. The wife's family is uncertain. And yet, Beishamai says, we split it in that case. Beishamai says, we split it. So we see from that case alone that even though the wife's family is a suffix, it's uncertain, and the Yavam is a certain, he still says, we split it. So we already disagree with this principle. Why can't we bring a proof from that case of the Mishnah? So the answer is no. Lo pligi. <laughs> that in that case, in that case, really, Beishamai doesn't argue. Beishamai agrees. We could say in that case, Beishamai really agrees that it all, it completely goes to uh, the Yavam, to the brother-in-law, because that's really a case of Ein Safek That is a case where uh, the wife's family t- cannot make a claim if it really, if it, we know with certainty that it, it should, that the assets do go to the brother-in-law. Uh, so the Gemara asks, what do you mean? Below, but it says it in the Mishnah. Vakatani, Mesa, if she dies, Mayasa Big Suba. So what do you do with the Ksuba? What do you do with the amount that she deserves after her husband's death from the Ksuba? And it also says, it also says, it also discusses the Nechse Melug, the property that she owns that the husband can use. And the Mishnah says, Bishamah says to split it. Bishamah says that we keep the property um, where it is, based on who had it before, and who's Muxak in it. So the answer is, this is what it means. This is really how to read the Mishnah. The Mishnah asks, when she dies, what do you do with the Ksuba? And it leaves it alone. It doesn't answer that question. It moves on to the Nechassim case, the case of the Nechassim. Look, with the property that she brought into the marriage, which is a very totally different case than the Ksuba. In that case, in the case of the Nechassim, look, where the wife certainly had a, had a, owned the property, so that's the case that Beishamah says to split it between her family and the Yavam's family, because and the Yavam, uh, because in that case, uh, really she owns it, 
the Yavam might have uh, rights to it, um, certainly if it's viewed as a marriage, so then he, he certainly has rights to it ahead of the her family. So that that's the case that we split it. Uh, but with regards to the Ksuba, the Ksuba is very different. The Nechsei Melog she owns. The Ksuba she doesn't own. The Ksuba was, the, it's about collecting from her husband. Her husband owned all the assets. That goes to the Yavam. That's going to go to the Yavam, to the brother-in-law. And so therefore he's the one who's Mokzak. And then in that case, Beishamai would agree that in that case, the family of of the wife, of the sister-in-law, does not receive anything because they are a suffix. They are uncertain. The Yavam certainly does get the assets, receive the assets of her husband, of the husband, of the deceased brother, and so therefore you cannot collect it. And Amar Ravashi, just one last line, Ravashi says, Masisa Nami Deka, you can even prove this from the Mishnah, based on who is really viewed as the primary uh, Muxlik, the primary one, one who has the primary claim, because it says, when Beishamai says his statement, he says, Yachlogu Yorshiyabal Yorshiyab, Velogutani Yorshiyab Yorshiyabal, Shmamina. The Mishnah says, when Bishamah says to split it, he says the, the wife's family should split it with, sorry, the other way around. It, it says that the Baal's family, the husband's family, i.e. the Yavam, should split it with the wife's family. Meaning, when it says with the wife's family, the first one, A, the Yorshia Baal, should split it with the wife's family, means that the wife's family is really the primary uh, people with uh, to the to the property that does not certainly does not apply to the ksuba that would apply to the nechsei melug to the to the property that she brought into the first marriage and so therefore the fact that beishama uses that language proves to us that he was not even discussing the ksuba he was not discussing the ksuba and the truth is that when it comes to the ksuba really the yavim gets it entirely because of the principle of ain safik motse midevade because the her family is a safik there it's unclear whether they have a claim to that uh, to that to the ksuba. He certainly has a claim to the Yavim, certainly has a claim to the, her, her husband's assets, and so therefore we leave it and we give it to the Yavim. That is the second answer. Uh, we will discuss other answers uh, in the next recording, in next, in next week's recording.